Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is the Bold Strokes book author, Emily Smith. Hi, Emily. Hey, Anita. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm good. Oh, that's Can't complain. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Are you uh are you working in the middle of all this craziness? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely still working. I actually just got off a shift a couple of hours ago. Okay. So life's kinda of gone on as usual in a way. Okay. All right. Well let me uh I, I jumped ahead of myself here, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. So um I I want to ask you, uh how did you start writing and um, what has your experience been with like publishing your first novel? Um, is this, you know, something you started in adulthood or were you always a writer? Sure. Um, I, I don't really remember a time where I didn't write, um, at least in some form or another. And, you know, when I was thinking about this question, I remembered being like, it must have been, you know, second, third, fourth grade out at recess and, you know, uh, sitting in the corner and writing, working on a, a like a silly short story or, or, you know, I was always, always writing something um, from, you know, for as long as I can remember. And so that, that was always a part of my life. Um, and sort of something I did for fun um, until, um, you know, adulthood. And then it, I kind of fell into it by accident. Um, I wrote my first book, Searching for Forever, uh, just kind of as something to do because I thought it might be, you know, interesting to, to try to write a longer novel. And I had just discovered Lesbic as a thing that existed. So I thought, well, maybe I'll try my hand at this. And uh, when I was done with it, I thought, what the heck? Why don't I submit it somewhere and just see what happens? So I looked at the back of one of Radcliffe's books that I had just read, not having really any idea who Bold Strokes was or, or who she was other than this, this great author who I had just started reading. Um, and I sent it to them and, uh, they, uh, fortunately accepted the submission and, um, I was thrilled. And so I sort of came into it by accident in the sense that I wasn't writing initially with the intention of getting published. It was more just for me. Oh, that's so awesome. What a great story. You just kind of fell into it with them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And very, very fortunate. And and you have uh, a great relationship with them, obviously, because you continue to publish with them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're it's a fantastic uh, group, uh, both personally and and uh, professionally. Um, so I feel really lucky that I kind of fell into them, especially being as early into the lesbic world as I was back then, and not really having any kind of strategy or or plan. Um, the fact that I you know got looped in with them is really i'm really happy about that it's kismet right yeah absolutely (laughs) so so do you have um anything that you're working on or any like current release or soon to be released novel uh yeah actually i have a new my new book is coming out uh next month so july 15th i think is the official release date um it's called first you no harm um, and, uh, it is, uh, it's another, you know, medical romance, um, which is sort of my, my little niche that I like to write in. Um, and it, uh, takes place in the emergency room, um, and it, uh, features a young, uh, emergency medicine resident in her first year 
of residency uh, and an emergency medicine PA who meet um, and uh, sort of uh, spark a romance um, and sort of the, the backstories of each of them and why that kind of uh, becomes more complicated. And so that is coming out officially, I guess, in a couple of weeks, but it's available for pre-order on Bold Strokes website. And uh, I believe the audiobook is out as well already. So wow. there's certainly ways to get it. That's awesome. It's called First Do No Harm. That's right, yeah. That's great. So um, how how did you come to to write that? I mean, I've, I've kind of noticed that um, a few of your, your novels have this medical theme. So where, yep. where do you draw that from? Um, you know, do you have an, a knowledge or a background in that area? Yeah, definitely from my work. Um, I've, I've worked in medicine in one form or another for a long time um, for, you know, over, gosh, I, over a decade now. Um, started out as an EMT and worked in various sort of healthcare settings after that before I went to school to become a physician assistant several years ago. And I've been working in the ER ever since that. So emergency medicine is kind of my, uh, my background. That's kind of what I know. Um, so that's where I draw a lot of my experience from. Um, and most of my, the medical, uh, I would say all of the medical scenes, um, and sort of, uh, things that I write about um, either come from something I've experienced in work or something a colleague has experienced at work. So they're all very, I, I try to make them everything, the medical part's still very authentic for readers. That's really cool. So you don't have to do much research then? No, fortunately I don't. And if I do, then uh, it doesn't bode well for my work, I think, <laughs> for my other job. <laughs> True story, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so, shouldn't have to do much research. <laughs> so, um, your the novel that's coming out in a couple of weeks called First Do No Harm." You said that was about a, a PA and a resident um, working in an emergency setting. Is that a little autobiographical by any chance? <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's sitting right next to me, listening to this whole thing. Hi, um, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, is Kelsey. Yeah, she, she's uh, she's also listening in on the on the recording. Um, it uh, yes, it's a little autobiographical, probably more so than most of my other books. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if that was intentional or if it just happened to be that you know I I kind of started writing this at the beginning of our relationship, and she uh, had read the sort of uh, I don't want to say prequel, I guess the. The predecessor to this book, which was um, All of Me, which came out a couple of years ago and um, really kind of got attached to it. And so she really wanted me to keep carrying over the story of some of the characters from that book. Um, so it was really fun to sort of write that as well. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, there was some there, there's definitely some autobiographical pieces in there. But I think most fiction has some components of that in one form or another. So um, all of me, then we would see some of those characters in First Do No Harm is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the central characters in all of me, uh, Galen and Rowan, who are both surgeons, um, make uh, are, are actually they were just going to kind of make guest appearances in First Do No Harm. Um, and they kind of became very central characters as well. Um, the uh, main character in the first book, Galen, um, actually is the cousin of uh, one of the central the central character um, in in First Do No Harm. So it was really fun for me to bring 
Galen and Rowan back into the story and to show their lives several years down the road because I was also very attached to them as characters. And then to um, also to be able to develop this relationship between Galen and her cousin. Um, and I think that actually ended up being probably one of the most fun and I think most successful aspects of the book. And just talking to people that have read it so far, it seems like one of people's favorite things about it is the relationship between these two cousins. Um, so, yeah, so that ended up being a lot of fun to, to bring them back into this world. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I, I read all of me. I really enjoyed that. And I like those two characters. So um, I have. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I haven't read First Do No Harm. Um, I have it. It's on my list. But uh, I was going to say, I'll send you a copy if you uh, don't have one yet. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, but thank you. And uh, so who who is Galen's cousin? Who are the protagonists in, in First Do No Harm? Uh, Pierce Parker and Cassidy Sullivan. Pierce is the uh, physician assistant, and she's Galen's cousin. Um, and she is uh, she goes through a bad breakup. She's living in Atlanta and goes through a bad breakup, gets dumped by a girl, gets her heart broken, and decides she wants a fresh start. So she uh, kind of re- talks to Galen, who she hasn't she hasn't really had a you know relationship with with her cousin in, since childhood, but kind of uses her as, as a uh, reference to get uh, a job over in Boston where she can start over. And um, when she moves to Boston, that's when she sort of forms this relationship with her cousin that she never had before. Um, and then she meets Cassidy, who is a new emergency medicine resident uh, at the same hospital that Pierce just starts at as well. And they're kind of both just starting at the same time. Um, so they kind of bond over that and it develops from there. So is that is that real life? Uh, no, that, that's not. We, we actually worked in very different hospitals, but uh, I thought it made it a little, you know, a little more interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Well, I can't wait. That's a, it's, it's always fun when you see characters that, you know, um, readers really enjoy um, make a guest appearance in, in the next book. Like, that's, that's yeah. always fun. I think, you know, when, you, when you're reading, it's, I, I love... Uh, I always loved like the series, especially the series that Rad does, like, you know, the P-Town series and, and, you know, the Honor series and getting to follow those characters through each book is I, I, you know, you feel like you get to kind of grow right along with them. And I always really like that. So I hope I can offer some of that to, to readers too. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's almost like the Rivers Community Hospital series, yeah, right? Which I love, love that series. Love oh, I'll yeah. bet. I'll bet. So, so you keep reading it because you like the characters and you get attached to them and yes. um, you know you see what happens with them and then you meet new characters that you get attached to and, and you want to follow their story. So yeah. it's really, it's a, a good so tool. Is it, is it more difficult to, to write that kind of um, series where you're, you know, the, the uh, characters that you previously wrote about, like you have to give them a little growth, right? A little more depth, I would imagine, in your next book? For sure. Um, and I, I, you know, I can only speak, you know, as someone that's only carried over into two books at any point in time. Like I've had uh, my first two books had a character carry over and then my last two books have had some characters carry over. So I've never written like a full series. Mm-hmm. But I will say that you definitely need to show, um, you know, it's really important to show the growth of characters. Like you see in, in, uh, in all of me, Galen kind of starts out as this kind of player and and really like aloof and independent and and kind of impenetrable and then by the time you you know you see her meet her again in first you no harm she's a completely different person um, so you really get to sort of uh, you know evolve with her on her journey and same with 
growing on as she, you know, kind of comes to terms of her sexuality and, and is coming out and sort of how she becomes more comfortable with who she is. And so it's really fun to let those characters grow and evolve as well because you don't necessarily have plans for it. It just kind of happens over time. Oh, cool. Great. Well, I am eager to read it. Um, so I has your life changed at all since becoming a published author? Um, I was thinking about this question. Um, I, I would say, you know, not substantially. Um, I think probably the biggest change is just the, um, the uh, from a, on a day to day standpoint, like is the, um, the the sense of community in the like the lesbic world and the bold strokes community, especially. Um, it, it, I'm particularly reminded of it every time I go to, you know, Women's Week in P-Town or like one of the uh, big events that we do, because these are women that I only see, you know, two or three times a year, maybe. And every time I do, it's just sort of, uh, <laughs> just sort of this feeling of like, you know, oh, I've known you, you know, forever, and we've been friends forever. And everybody's just so welcoming and uh, friendly. And it, it's just like, there's just a sense of, of community that I really don't think I've experienced at any point in my life. So that's been really important um cool it sounds then, like a family uh, reunion exactly and it, it's amazing how i you know these are people that i rarely ever see and then immediately when i do it's like seeing old friends um and that's that's been really cool and then the weird stuff like you know getting an occasional email from somebody in another part of the country or another part of the world saying they read your book and they really liked it um that's still sort of hard to wrap my head around um or even just like knowing that my book is out there in an audiobook form, um, or that somebody wants to interview me for a podcast. That's yeah. still strange to me after so many years. Um, cool. So I think those the ways that things have changed the most. Yeah. Well, we have listeners all around the world, so you you may be getting that's, more emails. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. I would love to hear from. You. Awesome. That's great. So, um, our. Well, I think um, you have, like, what, four standalone novels then? Is that right? Uh, yeah, my fifth will be this one coming up. Okay. All right. Awesome. Do you want to talk a little bit about those and, and what they're about? Sure, yeah. Um, so my very first book that I wrote was uh, Searching for Forever. Um, and uh, it uh, is a, a sort of coming out story in a way. Um, it is about a... Uh, an emergency medicine doctor um, who is like in her 40s, married, has a little girl, um, you know, kind of living a day to day, like regular life in a small town, going through the motions. Um, and she meets a sort of much younger uh, hotshot paramedic um, who starts working with her. And basically, they fall for each other and are kind of dealing with the repercussions of that, um, especially with uh, the the physician character, Natalie, um, obviously having a family and grappling with her sexuality and, and um, you know, what the consequences of, of her job and all these things. Um, so that's my first book. The interesting thing about that is that it's in first person, which the last three books I wrote are not. Um, and I pretty much wrote everything in first person my entire life up to that point. So I was always more comfortable writing from that standpoint. And then uh, a couple of books in, I decided that I was going to try to do the third person uh, thing and kind of have become comfortable with that. And that's sort of where I've stuck. But 
um, that's sort of, it's, it's got a very different feel to it than the other stuff I've, I've written. Um, maybe because it's the first and maybe because it's in first person. Um, but, uh, it's interesting to sort of see that. I and mean, that was, a, that was a while ago that, that that first came out. Yeah. Most, uh, most writers will tell, tell you that first person is harder for them. That's interesting yeah. that, that, you know, you, you just kind of went with that and adapted to that so easily, I guess. Yeah. And I think it's because I've always really enjoyed writing like a memoir sort of journalistic style of writing. Um, they're like a, um, you know, yeah, kind of uh, memoir-y uh, sort of what, what, what else am I trying to say? Like, like editorial kind of pieces. Um, so I always, always wrote with that, that voice. Okay. Um, so it, that came very naturally to me. And actually switching to third person was incredibly challenging. I'll bet. Um, it it ended up being really hard, but really good because it allowed me to distance myself from my characters in a way that I really wasn't able to in first person because I was able to sort of get outside of my own head um, as the, the voice and, and um, you know, get inside of the heads of all these characters and uh, sort of switch points of view, which I think was get opened up a lot of uh, opportunities that I didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's great. So, um, your what what are the names of your other books then you have searching for forever yep uh, yep and then what's the the next book the next book is called after the fire oh. uh oh, i'm sorry that's not that's not the next one the next one is uh same time next week oh. um which is totally different than anything else i have out um not medically themed at all um without giving too much away it is just completely different it's a kind of about finding love in the setting of a failing relationship and what do you do about that? And, you know, our second chance is a thing. And, um, it's definitely darker than the other stuff. Um, but I think it's kind of an important story to tell about like, it's okay for a relationship to fail in order for you. Um, and so that is a very different, uh, very different book, um, than, than, uh, I've written in the past and I've gotten very polarizing, uh, reviews of it. Some people really like it and some people really hate it. I think because there's that aspect of a filling relationship. And, um, so not your typical romance, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that it's a story almost everybody can relate to on some level. Um, so, but it's very, very different than anything I've, I've written. So that was my second book. Um, that's also in first person. Um, and then the third book I, I wrote was um, called After the Fire, and that was my first switch to third person. And that is about a firefighter and a paramedic um, who meet on the job and kind of have this tumultuous romance. And the setting of the paramedic had lost her partner of many years, a couple years earlier, who was also a firefighter, and she lost her in the line of duty. So she's pretty uh, hesitant to ever trust anybody especially firefighters and you know want to be heroes again um and the interesting thing about that story is it was entirely fiction um i you know maybe borrowed from some of the medical scenes from it but the whole the firefighting aspect a lot of you know the, the characters um everything was just completely out of my head and i i didn't it wasn't based on anything and um so that was that was interesting to write because it was totally uh totally fiction um did you have and, to do like a lot of research for that one then like um you know yeah 
Yeah, I did some. I mean, I when I when I was an EMT, I also I, you know I worked really closely with fire departments, and I was actually briefly on the fire department for a while. Okay. Didn't actually go to buildings, but I you know I worked closely enough with the actual like real firefighters that I kind of knew about that world enough yeah. to take it. Um, I think there's a degree of that in writing where you know you just you have to know just enough to make it seem authentic. You don't have to be an expert, um, but you just have to know enough or research enough to make it sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And then was Keeping Time next? Hmm. That is actually um, a short story ah. that was written as part of a, uh, a novella that was part of a series that Bold Strokes did about weddings. Um, and each story, there was, I think, four, four parts to it, and they were all written by different authors. And um, each piece, uh, it handled a different aspect of like weddings. And so the first one, I believe was like the engagement. The second one was, I think mine, which was the planning part. And then there was the wedding and then the honeymoon or something like that. Oh, that's um, cool. That's a neat concept. Yeah, it was. And they'd done a couple of series like those, but I definitely, they asked me to do it. And the one that was left was the planning, which is 100% the hardest one to write. Because how do you write a romance about planning a wedding? It's literally <laughs> the worst thing ever. You tread so lightly. Was, it was a challenge, yeah, for sure. Um, at the very least, it's not super romantic or interesting uh, for anybody aside from the, the, the two people getting married. <laughs> right. um, so that was, it was hard. But it was um, kind of fun to write. And um, it was, uh, it, it takes place it involves these these two women and one of them's kind of a wannabe rock star who's having a hard time letting go of that dream but needs to do it sort of for the sake of her her future and her family with with her soon-to-be wife and um so again very sort of uh out there as far as like it was strange being given a, a topic to write about like you know and then to have to kind of okay this is your theme you have to write a story about this so that was that was definitely different yeah. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. You know, there's not a lot of wiggle room. Right, right. <laughs> and then and then I think then it's the um we talked about the keeping time. Yep, and then it's the the last two, the um all of me and then uh first you no harm, I think. That would be all of them in the order that they have come out. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So, um first do no harm is coming out. Are you working on anything now? Do you have any Anything in in progress? Um, I am. Uh, interestingly, um, back in October, um, or like maybe even earlier than that. No, it was October because um, we had just come back from Provincetown. We were there for Women's Week. Um, and I was kind of starting to think about what I was going to start working on next because um, I had just finished the final draft of this um, and was starting to think about what my next project would be. And I decided that I wanted to write a medical romance because, you know, they're, they sell well and people seem to like them and it's, it's working for me. But I wanted to do something a little different. And I thought about maybe doing like a Doctors Without Borders situation. And then um, my partner and I were talking about kind of brainstorming ideas. And uh, she, you know, we both love like we or we did love virus movies like Outbreak and Agent, <laughs> um, and so we were like, yeah, let's write a virus story. And I'm like, great. So I actually started writing a book about a pandemic um, and uh, about you know two characters and one's a 
CDC doctor and one's a military doctor and they have this history together in medical school and then they kind of have a bad falling out and then they get thrown back together at the beginning of this pandemic, which happens to be a weird flu-like illness that's like taking out part of the country. Um, and then I started writing this. I got about 10,000 words in and then COVID happened and people, and it got really eerie yeah. and it stopped. Uh, um, so when I, I, I swear up and down when I started writing this, no one, including myself, had heard the word. Um, but uh, it's definitely been hard to come back to. And I'm just now, I put it down for like six months and I'm, or maybe, maybe like four months. And I'm just now starting to kind of come back to it. Um, and it's really interesting to go back through and read what I've written so far and kind of look back and say, well, that's not realistic. They wouldn't be shaking hands here because no one's touching each other. And so it's really changed the whole, um, the whole story just now with people knowing what they know. Um, so we'll see. I think I want to stick with it. I've definitely had times of thinking, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I'll abandon, but it's, Above all else, it's a romance um, in the, with the background of a pandemic, as uh, Sandy Lowe said to me. It's not a story about a pandemic. It's a, it's a romance in the background of a, uh, an outbreak. There so, you go. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I'm, I'm sticking to. So I think I'll stick with it, and we'll see, we'll see when uh, and if it evolves. But that's, that's what I'm currently working on. Good, good. That's, that's really kind of weird that you started writing that, and then <laughs> yep, here we are. So, so speak- and hopefully that comes what? out, people will, people will be somewhat receptive to reading. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, it's sure, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it already. So, you know, all right, all right, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of pandemics, um, you and your girlfriend are both in the medical field, um, and and you're still working. Is is that right? And yeah in the middle of all this and how's that been for you guys? Yeah. I mean, I work in, in, um, the emergency room and, um, she, um, uh, was in emergency medicine and is now, uh, a psychiatrist. Um, but in the, we're both, you know, been in the hospital this entire time. Um, and, uh, it's been very strange. I think when people ask me what it's been like, I think that's the first word that comes to mind. Um, it's just totally changed the way that, the world operates and that's like hospitals operate. Um, so it's been strange and obviously anxiety producing and, um, just very weird. Um, and things are now starting in Massachusetts, at least, um, starting to normalize. Um, it's starting to feel like sort of back to day to day life at work. Um, we're seeing, you know, the same kind of normal stuff we used to see before this and much, much, much less COVID. Um, but I know that's definitely not the case in other parts of the country. We got hit early um, and we're sort of, we're, we've definitely squelched things. So it's, it's been really strange, both the anticipation and the during and now the sort of aftermath of seeing where this is going to go and, and, you know, what's going to, what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like uh, I've heard like elective surgeries are starting up again and, you know, those kind of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah. And we've done it has done a great job at, um, you know, being really smart about things and being careful. Um, so we've been fortunate to have like really good, uh, leadership and, and rules from that perspective. And I think it's saved our healthcare system for sure. Um, we were fortunate enough not to get overwhelmed like a lot of other places like New York. Yeah. Uh, but it was still very weird. Um, and, uh, certainly something that I 
do not want to do again, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we'll not. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I hope you both stay healthy and uh, good luck to you on, you on that end. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, Emily, I think I read somewhere that your grandmother is a published author. Is that right? Um, well, actually, that's actually kind of a funny story. She is, uh, she was an, an almost published writer. Um, she wrote children's books. Um, my grandmother was definitely like one of the most special people in the world to me. I, probably somebody I was, one of the people I was closest to since childhood. And she was uh, a teacher um, and also a writer. Um, and her dream was to publish one of her children's books. Um, and I remember when I was, older like definitely old enough to understand like to know the story I, i'm not sure when it was but she um had finally gotten a publication contract with a publisher out of florida and like two weeks after getting signed by them the publisher got hit by a hurricane and got wiped out and destroyed and that was the end of that oh, so no. she, ne- she never got her book published um but uh she definitely loved to write um and she was a wonderful teacher and uh, to her students, and I know that she, she uh, unfortunately died a few years before I published my first book, but I know she would have been uh, pretty uh, pretty excited to see that happen. She would have oh, been she would have been proud, that's for sure. Oh yeah, that's yeah, she would have been. That's great. Um, so, do you think like uh, just watching what she went through and and you know how she operated? Do you think that influenced you at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, uh, just like hearing in general from people um, how difficult it is to get published um, certainly never made me think that was something I would aspire to do. Um, and seeing her like try and try and try and try and, and it just getting rejection after rejection. And that, that's the way with most most places. Um we are fortunate enough at Bold Strokes that, um, you know, we, we publish in a really great niche market. And, um, you know, this is what I, I write is lesbic. And um, the market's a little bit smaller than, say, you know, mainstream uh, publishing. Um, and so I was fortunate in that respect, um, too. But I imagine, you know, writing, trying to get a children's book published is probably nearly impossible. Um, so people always ask me, about getting published and what they should do. And I, I just feel like it's very different um, in the lesbic world because what we're looking for is, you know, you want quality, uh, you know, really well-written uh, stories about, you know, love stories, romance stories um, for, you know, LGBT uh, readers. And that's very specific. Uh, so I think if you are just like deciding that you're going to write a thriller and try to get it published at Random House, um, I think that that's, you're, you're in a bigger sea. Um, so I don't have as much advice to those people about what it's like <laughs> to try to get published in that uh, larger, larger pool. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. So is there someone um, who you would consider your hero? Um, I was thinking about that question, and I don't think I have one specific person that comes to mind, um, but there was several names when um, I, I sort of started to think about that question um, and sort of several themes um, that came up. And um, 
is there is more it seems to be people who I admire or um you know who inspire me and you know my mom comes up um Aww. obviously as one of the first um and then you know certain LGBT leaders like Edie Windsor um and then just badass women like Nancy Pelosi and Hillary uh, Michelle Obama um and there's definitely an overlying theme of this strength and intelligence and compassion in, you know, this sort of like overwhelmingly patriarchal society. Um, and I think that those are things that I, uh, I look up to is, you know, like Nancy Pelosi clapping her hands in front of the, you know, in the, during the yeah. prison state of the union address and, you know, throwing his speech away and um, just kind of not being afraid to stand up to, to, you know, all the crap out there. Um, so I don't think I have one specific person, but multiple people. Do you try to uh, bring those attributes, those characteristics to, you know, your protagonist in your books? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think I always write strong women. Um, and I think many of us do, um, you know, probably because I think that one, you know, I think that we... They make great protagonists, and also, you know, we all kind of, you know, I think most of us aspire to be to be those things. Yeah. And so, the women that are reading these lesbian books probably aspire. I, I feel like most of them aspire to have that strength and independence and uh, that that backbone that I think a lot of lesbian characters have. Yeah, I find that when I'm reading a novel, and and the one of the protagonists anyway is kind of um, sheepish and, you know, not assertive. I, I get a little frustrated with her. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. So, um, what do you have like some kind of writing environment that, you know, um, you set up or you go to, or, you know, what's your place? Yeah. Well, I really like writing in coffee shops. Um, and, uh, there is one down the street from us, uh, Cafe Nero, um, which is just a chain around Boston. There's a million of them. Um, but we just started going, uh, to, started going there, you know, several times a week. Um, and, um, we would call it our coffee shop dates and I would bring my laptop and my iPad and Kelsey would bring a book and we would just like get lattes and sit and, I put my headphones on and we just, I would just write for a couple of hours. Uh, and so that's sort of my, my ideal environment is in that sort of like busy setting outside of my apartment with headphones on. So I can't hear anything. I bought super noise canceling headphones so I can only hear my music and myself, <laughs> but I'm still in the middle of all this. And then um, to me being out of my apartment is really important. I can't focus when I'm, uh, when I'm home, I just, you know, there's too many distractions and I just can't get in the zone for sure. Yeah. So I pretty much always leave the house or I did until that was the other reason I stopped writing as much with COVID is because I couldn't leave to go to the coffee shop. So it was really hard to like find a spot that was, you know, that, that put me in that right mindset. Yeah. I imagine it, it must be hard at home. Like you, you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, I got to do this. So oh, I have to do that. And yeah. You know. Or you pick up my phone and I'm going to, I'll check Facebook or, you know, uh, the, the cat's getting into something. And so it's, it's definitely harder. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Um, so do you have much opportunity to read? Not nearly as much as I should or would like to. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bad reader in the sense that I don't take as much time as I, as I should um, and would 
um, to read between work and and writing and uh, everything else that I kind of have going on. Um, I definitely don't take the time uh, I should to read. Um, but uh, every once in a while, I kind of, you know, get, I'll pick up something new, like, uh, you know, a new lesbic or, you know, a Stephen King and just kind of get really sucked into that. So it's definitely something I want to uh, try to be better about because I thoroughly believe it makes you a better writer yeah. for sure. Yeah, definitely. So what, what would you say is your favorite genre to read? I actually really like reading horror um, and thrillers. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I like to, like, I, you know, I like horror movies a lot, um, but I would, like, probably never write a horror story. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, but I, I like to read, like, Stephen King um, or I like, you know, thrillers. Um, I do, I used to really like medical-themed anything, um, like Robin Cook, Michael Crichton. Um, but now that I work in medicine every day, I don't like it so much because it just feels like, eh, okay, this is my life. Why am I reading about it? Yeah. Um, but I, I did, I used to really like, that was pretty much all I would read was, you know, medical fiction. Um, and of course I, you know, I, I definitely love to read my share of, of lesbic. Um, I'm a big fan of obviously everything Rad puts out. Uh, I love Melissa Braden. I love Carson. Um, all the guys that I work with that I get to read, um, they're all fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I must say bold strokes really puts out some quality work. Um, they really do. Yeah. I I appreciate that. I mean, and I certainly feel like, uh, I'm in, I'm in really good company. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I have to say just in talking to you, like I understand, um, you know, really why your books are so popular because you really, you, to me, like I, I'm sensing that you have just a lot of energy um, and, and you're really passionate about it and that, you know, obviously you bring that to your work. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I would certainly like to think that those things are true. So, so I appreciate that. Could yeah. also be the eight cups of coffee I've had today, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm actually drinking soda as we speak. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, caffeine's good. It's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I rely on it entirely. <laughs> yeah, me too. Totally. Uh, too much. So, um, do you you like to hear from your readers? Um, oh, absolutely. Yes, I I love that. So please, you know, if anybody is has read anything and has any feedback, whether it be positive or, or negative or suggestions or comments or anything. I'd love to hear from people. Um, so please feel free. And how would they get a hold of you? How would they contact you? Um, I think Facebook is probably the best way. Uh, you can search me under Emily Smith books. Um, and I also have an email address, which is Emily Smith books at gmail.com. Um, and those are primarily the best ways to get a hold of me. Okay. Awesome. So do you have any parting words for our listeners out there? Oh, just thanking everybody for, for hanging around and listening to me ramble on for 40 minutes or so and uh, giving me the opportunity to come on your show and, and chat with you and answer questions. And, and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully people will find uh, some of this at least entertaining or enlightening. Absolutely. Absolutely. They will. Uh, you were, you were great to, to talk with. I really enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Um, thank you, Emily Smith, for joining us. Thank you. 
Um, And thank you, listeners, for joining Liz Talk About Books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted and peace be plenty.